And we got to my question, what's keeping you awake at night these days? He said, well, I can tell you what it is for me. When is the crash coming? When is the crash coming? Episode 219, the Tom Tom drums are beating. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. With more than 2.5 million listens and downloads and growing every week, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today, best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention. We call this The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Hey, Jason, let's start with a quick update on the Jason Jennings Certification Summit. What's going on there? Well, first of all, aloha and tiny bubbles to you. <laughs> uh, so briefly tell everybody what you and your family did over Thanksgiving. I, I love this story. Yeah, we had to celebrate my parents' 50th wedding anniversary with 24 of us in Kauai over Thanksgiving. So completely non-traditional approach to Thanksgiving and had a great time. And and you said and you told me you went to a luau. You said it was one of the more authentic luau's you've been at. Did they have that stuff? Uh, poi, I think it's called. Yeah, they did have the poi. Then they still haven't figured out how to make it taste good. So, <laughs> have you ever tasted it? <laughs> oh yeah, I try. I try everything. I'm adventuresome, so I'm game to try just about anything. And um, I will never forget I the first. I will never forget the first luau uh, I attended a long time ago. It was also on the island of Kauai. And during the luau, they introduced everybody to their little bowl of poi. And they said, everybody has to try it. And it tastes just like wallpaper paste. And I thought to myself, who in the hell has ever tasted wallpaper paste? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you would imagine wallpaper paste would taste just in case you haven't. But, All right. So an update and you were Michigan. So uh, caught in a blizzard and, and everybody complains about the snow. So we were going for a big birthday for my mother and to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving with the family there. And uh, the Thanksgiving dinner went extraordinarily well. Uh, if, if you haven't seen the charade app, to play charade after a family dinner. It was one of the best times I've ever had. And um, or it's, it's either an app or just Google charade and, and, and you'll find it. It's, it's really cool. You play it with your phone. And um, then the next night we had a big dinner for my mother in an Italian restaurant in honor of her birthday. And then the snow began. 54 inches of snow uh, over Saturday and Sunday. Snow banks on the side of the street, eight and nine feet. Uh, everything was shut down. And uh, I decided, you know what? I'm going to love this. I'm just going to enjoy the heck out of this. And uh, so we pretended that we, we had like two snow days and had a wonderful time. Oh, that's so, fantastic. All right. So the summit. All yes. right. I, I think we're tucked away. Uh, we're uh, we're starting to regularly communicate with everybody. Everybody is getting the WhatsApp uh, uh, on their phone so that we can uh, do a WhatsApp group. Um, and uh, the first homework assignment will be going out in the next week or so, uh, something that people can get done over the holidays. And uh, it's looking good for March uh, 23rd through 25th. There are a few people uh, that we have not received confirmations from. So before we try to reach out to you, uh, if you've not confirmed uh, your participation in the summit, please get that back to us this week. Uh, but almost everybody uh, has confirmed their attendance. So, That's fantastic. Yep. It's going to be great. All right. And you do have my confirmation, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, put, I put an X by your name in the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> nice. So uh, then yesterday you have a 
a kind of funny story of something that happened to you in a Target. I think the listeners would get a kick out of. Okay. So it's not what happened in the Target. Uh, I told Dale before we began recording that I it was very warm in Target. And so I took my coat off and I put my coat in the shopping cart. And if uh, listeners around the world don't know what Target is, uh, Target is like a discount department store. Uh, and in fact, people have a lot of fun with it. Uh, many people call it Target uh, because they think it's a little bit better than your regular one-of-the-mill discount department stores. So I took off my jacket in the store and I put it in the top of the cart and uh, just moving along and doing some shopping. And all of a sudden I stopped to look at something on the aisle. And when I turned around, my cart was gone. And so I'm running through the store and I realized my phone and my wallet uh, were in the jacket. And uh, eventually, uh, like 35 or 40 minutes later, standing at the front entrance, a woman came up to me. She said, is this your coat? And I said, Yes. She said, well, I knew there was somebody's coat in it, but nobody was using it. So I just thought I'd use the cart. Duh. Duh. I mean, it was almost a cardiac event. But then what happened in the parking lot is just so cool. So as I uh, as we're coming back to the car, uh, there's a guy standing by my sports utility vehicle, my Lexus. Uh, and he said, is this your car? And uh, I said, uh, yes, it is. He said, look at your rear bumper. He said, there's a real big dent. And I had been first appraised of this dent when I brought it in for a car wash a couple of weeks ago, and I'd never seen it. It looked like somebody uh, had taken a softball and uh, used a driver uh, like on a golf range and, and just hit this softball at 150 miles an hour. And there was a huge indentation the size of a softball in my rear bumper. And so I, so I first saw that a couple of weeks ago when I was in car watch. I said, yeah, I just saw that. He said, I can take care of that right now. And I said, right now? He said, I could take care of it in five minutes. And I said, uh, so, um, okay, how much? And he said, well, you know what this would cost in a shop, right? And I said, well, I don't have to go to the Lexus dealer. I'd have to get a mortgage in my house because I know how much they charge for every little thing. And I said, if I took it to a body shop, I don't know what it would cost, three, four, five hundred bucks. He said, well, is it worth 250 bucks to you? And I said, nah, I don't want to spend 250 bucks in a, in a Target parking lot. No, no, something just seems shady about that. He said, how about $100? He said, I'll have this bump out of here in five minutes. And I said, uh, okay, I'm on. I got 100 bucks in my wallet, so let's, let's, let's go. So the guy goes to his truck, and he gets out a, like a nice clean uh, drop cloth that he puts be, uh, below my bumper. And uh, then he gets an acetylene torch. And then he gets out a couple of tools and he's making a little production out of it. And so what he does is uh, he warms up the bumper with his acetylene torch. And then he had a suction device pop. And then he started immediately spraying it with cold water to cool it down. And Dale, the indentation, it was gone. Gone, gone perfectly gone. I have a perfect bumper for a hundred dollars. So I started talking to the guy and I said, is this what you do for a living? And he said, uh, no, I've got another job too. He said, this is my side hustle. And I said, so how much money do you make in a day? And I said, three, 400 bucks. He said, well, let me show you. He said, I started with a hundred dollars in my wallet this morning. And he said, I've got 1500 bucks. He said, I make somewhere between 1500 and $2,000 a day. That's fantastic. I love that entrepreneurial spirit. Oh, and and I, I said, what's the hardest part of doing this? He said, you know, I'm not naturally an outgoing person. So it's walking up to somebody and saying, see that debt in your car? I, I, I can actually fix that. And he said, there's a bit of incredulity because people think I'm some kind of a scam artist. He said, but I'm not. And uh, 
So I, I just thought that was, so all the way home, I was going, my God. So if this guy, and he, and he says he does it uh, two days a weekend and, uh, and a couple of nights a week and early, uh, easily makes three to $5,000 a week. So I just, I just love hustles and side gigs that bring value for everybody. Was it worth a hundred bucks to get that big, ugly dent out of my bumper? You bet. Absolutely. Isn't that great? That is very cool. That is so cool. So awesome. So don't be so suspicious that you miss out on those kind of opportunities. Right. Have a list of questions and things in your mind, just like you did. Um, but it's always being open to what's coming your way. I think that's yep. the that's the lesson. So um, back to our podcast topic the the beat the tom tom beat of the drum is coming, and you took the subject that you wanted to talk about today and tossed it because of a phone call you had this morning. So what's going on with that? Okay. So uh, regular listeners have heard this ad infinitum. I mean, so many times uh, about my interviews. And every time I mention a number, throw out a number, I feel I have a need to prove it because it sounds like a huge number. So thus far this year, uh, I have done 732 interviews uh, with CEOs, business leaders, leading entrepreneurs. They come in three flavors. Uh, so, for example, last Friday, I had seven interviews for an upcoming speech. Today, I've got six, and tomorrow, I've got six. So, right there, you've got nine, another 19 interviews. But so far, oh, the other flavors that they come in, sometimes I will be talking to somebody fascinating on an airplane, and I'll ask them if I can make some notes. And then sometimes I'll be doing an event uh, where I'm speaking and in the process I will meet people and uh, I'm sufficiently intrigued by what they're talking about that I ask if I can record our short five or 10 minute conversation and I just record it on my iPhone. Now what I do with each of these calls, when I'm doing preparation calls for, for speeches, uh, I'm doing that in Outlook and I just make, I'm just typing notes the entire time. Uh, if I make notes in my notebook on an airplane, I come back, I open up uh, a window in Outlook and for the appropriate day where I did the interview and I just transfer the notes in there. And, and if I record them uh, on my iPhone, then I will come back and just play it and make notes. So there, so I counted this morning, there've been 732 interviews this morning and uh, or, I'm sorry, 732 interviews this year. And again, this morning, somebody said something to me and uh, I'm going to disguise this a little bit uh, because um, I didn't tell him I was going to tell the story, but he's with a big company. Uh, a good size company. They do about a billion dollars. They're having a banner year. Uh, last year was a huge year. This year's a, a banner year. And prospects are looking good. And we got to my question, what's keeping you awake at night these days? Uh, what are the potential road, uh, you know, stumbling blocks uh, or speed bumps that you can encounter? And he said, well, I can tell you what it is for me. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, when is the crash coming? When is the crash coming? Now, let me tell you why this was notable. Uh, it's notable because of the 732 interviews I've conducted this year. I, I just did this math before we got together. 78% of them, 569, have mentioned during the course of our conversation, when is the recession coming? When is the crash coming? When is the bottom going to fall out of the basket? And so I... I guess what I've observed in the past is that each year when I'm conducting all of these interviews, um, I, I'm, I'm constantly looking for common threads. Um, and 
uh, how people or what they're thinking about and the commonality of how many people are thinking about something. And so I don't know if 569 people out of 732 wondering when the crash is coming and being very worried about the economy. Um, look, I don't know how valid that research is, um, but it just seems that there's enough people talking about it um, that it might merit some consideration. So the last thing I want to be, I, I'm not sure how, if you remember Greek mythology, um, I, I was a favorite or a big fan of Greek mythology. I still have Edith Hamilton's uh, Zeus's Descent from the Top of Mount Olympus sitting in my bookshelf someplace. And Cassandra is, is someone who always is warning of impending disaster or prophesizes doom, uh, and nobody listens to Cassandra. So I don't want to be a Cassandra and say a recession is coming because I'm not the Oracle of Delphi. I, I don't know if it is. But if you've got 569 captains of industry out of 732 asking the questions worthy of consideration. So now the first thing I want to do is define a recession for people. All it is is this. I want you to imagine you take a big uh, glass and you fill it to the very top, right to the rim with water. Okay. Now you've got so much water in there that you can't even lift it or you'll drip some on yourself. So lean forward and take a little tiny sip, a little tiny sip, not a slurp, a little tiny sip. That's a recession. During most recessions, the economy is off by one and a half to two and a half percent. All it is, is it's a period of temporary economic decline during which industrial activity, gross domestic product goes down in two successive quarters. Doesn't mean that half of it goes away. Doesn't mean that 20% of it goes away. Doesn't mean that 10% of it goes away. It means that like two or three or maybe three and a half percent of it goes away. Uh, in fact, there have been one or 18 recessions in the last hundred years. Just double check that this morning. So every five and a half years, like a clock, uh, we're due for a recession. Because of this current economic expansion, which has lasted for about 10 or 11 years, um, we are very overdue. But I remember what happened during the meltdown of 2007, 2008. Um, my business stayed really good during that period of time. But I remember a conversation I had with the CEO and the owner of a small tech company in Des Moines, Iowa. And so we'd been in the recession for a while. Everybody was talking to me on the telephone during my interviews about it. And uh, I was interviewing him for an upcoming speech I was going to be doing. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm sick of it. And I said, you're sick of what? He said, I'm sick of this recession bullshit. He said, I've decided it's over. And I said, excuse me? He said, you know, I'm so tired of, of thinking about everything, business being down, uh, not being able to spend any money, feeling woe is me. He said, I feel like victimized. He said, I've just decided I'm not going to play the game anymore. He said, I have to take responsibility and run this company. And he said, I'm going to start going after other people's customers. I'm going to grow my market share. I am sick and tired. I mean, of being down in the doldrums, worried about this damn thing called the recession. And, you know, when, when two or three percent of your economic activity in the larger market goes away, I mean, uh, uh, a recession is largely more an emotional reaction than it is a financial reality. So now what I want to talk about briefly today is what to do about a recession. And my answer is going to surprise you. The answer is nothing. You do nothing that you wouldn't 
regularly do. And as long as these are the things you're regularly doing, a recession can be your friend because everybody else is going to be running down the hallway to jump under the bed covers and put a pillow over their head until it's over. That it provides one of the most golden economic opportunities for growth that exists. So one, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you've learned that you have to be a good financial steward. Be careful with expenses. Don't be careful with expenses in a recession. Be careful with expenses all the time. I will never forget when I was writing about Dot Foods in Mount Sterling, Illinois, uh, a company which just continues to just do better and better and better and better and better. I'm so glad I wrote about them 10 years ago in a book. And I remember being there with the Tracy family. And one of the things that struck me was we were having our first meeting in a conference room. And as we got up to uh, leave the conference room and go down the hall to another area, uh, the CEO turned off the lights. And then we got to his office, which was the next stop. And he reached in and he turned on the lights. And what I realized was if everybody at the top is turning on and turning off the lights, guess what? It it becomes an ethos for the organization. So we all have to be good financial stewards and careful with resources all the time. Don't wait for a recession to hit and then suddenly become draconian in slashing everything. Just be careful with, with expenses all the time. That's number one. Number two, never allow mission creep. Stay focused. Stay focused on what you're doing and don't let anybody get you away from your the knitting that you're doing. So avoid mission creep. Number three, have sufficient cash reserves and lending lines in place. Then you don't have to worry. But that's what you would do during good times, not only what you would do during a recession. Next, wouldn't a great company always be looking for new opportunities? Of course they would. And if a recession occurs, Guess what? There's going to be fewer people looking for new opportunities, which is going to make it easier for you. Next, keep your workforce engaged and feeling safe. If your workforce feels that if a recession hits, they might get laid off, guess what? They're not engaged in the work. And we've talked about that repeatedly in recent episodes. Next, be be doubly committed to your purpose and to growth. But isn't that what a good company would do anyway? Make certain you tighten up your client relationships. Isn't that what a great company would do anyway? They would always be tightening up client relationships, making them sticky. Next, don't prepare to lay people off. I love the story of Mike Long at Arrow Electronics. Uh, During the last, I mean, it was horrible. I mean, 2007, 2008 was pretty tough. Mike Long gathered his top 250 or 300 executives and worldwide leaders and said, you know what? If we all take a pay cut until this thing turns around, we don't have to have any layoffs. And he said, because we have to, if we have to have layoffs or if we do layoffs, when the economy comes roaring back, we're not going to have the people. So why don't we all as leaders just take, and I can't remember if it was a 20 or 25% pay cut, but he said, if we take it, and I mean, these are people who make good money. He said, if we take it, guess what? We don't have to lay anybody off. So, you know, don't lay people off. And I'll tell you who will get hurt. Uh, the people who will be hurt are people selling a commodity, people who bring no value. All they're in is a, is a price-related, commodity-driven business. So you have to absolutely make certain, even if you're in the commodity business, that you are selling value, that you are adding value to everything that you do. And so those are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine things. Those are nine things that great companies would do. And if you're doing those things, 
then you don't have to have a plan for a recession because a plan a recession is is going to be an opportunity for growth. Does that make sense to you? It absolutely makes sense. I come from the television news background and I remember when working as an anchor and a reporter, and I still see it happen, but there are what we call sweeps months. And that is when the Nielsen company goes and records the number of people, tries to record the number of people who are watching a TV station throughout a month. And during that month, the TV stations pull out all the stops. And that's when you see them run the salacious stories and you'll hear them advertising on radio. Yep. And I, you know, I always thought, why don't we just do excellent work 12 months a year, 52, I mean, 12 months a year, 52 weeks a year, and not worry about playing the game. Cause you're not going to get your viewers in the month. You're going to get your viewers or your customers uh, accumulating over the course of habit forming weeks and months and years. Same in business. Do your best work is what you're saying day in and day out. Yeah. Bring value. Yeah. And then if 2% of the water in the glass is missing, I mean, it's just going to present, prevent, uh, present more opportunity for you. So, uh, so, so again, what I want to say is this, I mean, the numbers are, uh, let me go back to the numbers. The numbers are surprising. 732 interviews. And remember, these are not people who just fell off a turnip truck. I'm not talking to people on the street. I'm talking to CEOs. I'm talking to business owners. I'm talking to leading entrepreneurs, high ranking executives and companies. Uh, but 732 so far this year. That doesn't include the ones I'm, I'm still doing. Uh, and I told you I've been on a rocket ship uh, since I got back from the Thanksgiving break. But if 569 of the 732, 78% of them are asking, uh, when's the bottom going to fall out of the basket? Or when are we going to have a recession? Or when is the crash coming? Or I'm worried about the economy. I think there's significance in that because I actually think that a recession is as much of a state of mind as it is a financial reality. Mm. And I was thinking by following those steps that you outlined, it keeps one focused on what really matters and it keeps the recession, to your point, being a state of mind, from becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. Uh, And uh, in many industries, a recession is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, uh, it really is. So anyway, I know you're about to ask me a question. I know. Final words? Yeah. And you know, I am not the originator of this statement. I've used it for years and years and years. And I actually went online to do a search because I always like to provide credit if I can. And I just, it's attributed to so many people. Uh, I I found it attributed to like 30 different people. So I'm guessing they heard it someplace too. Uh, But I love it. I've heard there's going to be a recession. I've decided to not participate. Love it. And that's, okay. been my, and that's been my attitude through the past economic uh, downturns in the economy, too. Uh, you just have to uh, stay tough, pay attention to your knitting, and, and do all the things that, that great companies would do all the time. Exactly. Hey, I'll remind folks, subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Super easy. While you're there, if you would rate and review the podcast, we would be most grateful for that. Easy to do. Hopefully we have earned five stars from you today. You have 
uh, several points that you can go put into action immediately and write a quick review, a few words on how this information helps you. Also, Jason would love to hear from you. Jason at Jason, um, Jason at Jason-Jennings.com is the email address. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website at Jason-Jennings.com. This is the Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. You've been listening to the Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.